Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 384 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. That is the truth. Let's dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here with a card that took place last Friday, February 17th at the York Hall Bethnal Green, live on BT Sport. Let's start with the undercard. Um, Royston Barney-Smith with another first-round knockout. He seems to be on a bit of a run now. I think he must be on about three in a row. Um, Again, it wasn't expected to end that early. He just keeps doing this, though. Royston Barney-Smith now 5-0 with three KOs and like I say three in the first round all in a row now um, a knockout this time against Lester Lara who's now 17 and 16 with two draws um, also on the card Chris Bulk with a win as well a TKO for him in round three he's now 11 and one um, Darwin Martinez his opponent was TKO there he's now seven and ten with two draws Martinez down once in round two and twice in the third and final round um, good really for Chris Bulk to return to winning ways obviously um, Again, I thought this one probably would go the distance, but no, he did well to get the knockout win, and yeah, he was coming off that loss last time out to Mark Leach about just under a year ago, so it's good, like I say, for him to get back in there, get back to winning ways, that was what it was all about for him, and he did it, and um, yeah, it was quite impressive, because Darwin Martinez was a big puncher himself, and he'd gone the distance in about seven losses in a row going into this, so um, to, to get him out of there, you know, he seemed like a tough, durable guy, and Chris Bork has done well there, I think, to pick up a win in that fashion. Um, elsewhere on the card, Carl Fowl as well, another guy to mention, now 8-0, a points win for him over six rounds against the Teak Tough Surge and Bomo. Uh, that one was just, you know, easy to predict, really. Um, Serge Ambomo very hard to stop and Carl Fowle not really a puncher so now 8-0 and um, like I say points win there over 6 rounds for Carl Fowle um, elsewhere on the card we saw Henry Turner move to double figure wins 10-0 and a TKO for him in round 7 against Zeus Diarmas who's now 15-3 and with a draw it was for the WBC International Silver Super Lightweight title Henry Turner seems to be a prospect that I'm now going to be keeping my eye on. I think he's out of the iBox gym. They rate him really highly and he looked really, really good. Um, 
Again, he's picked up a few stoppages in recent times, and um, yeah, it seemed seemed like he had a real bag of tricks. I'm definitely going to be watching from now on. Uh, Mark Chamberlain as well, now 12-0, a, um, a knockout for him in round 5 of a scheduled 10 against Italy's Vero Lenti, who was under, her not undefeated, he'd never been stopped, and he's now been stopped for the first time, he's now 10-5 with a draw. Again, I thought Mark Chamberlain could potentially win this on points, but he did well to get this man out of there it was for the IBF European lightweight title Lenti TKO'd by a big shot a, a one punch left hook to the chin um, yeah it was a brutal KO actually brilliant shot from Mark Chamberlain probably the best punch he's thrown of his career and the main event David Adelaide now 11-0 with 10 KOs a TKO for him in round 2 against the undefeated Dimitro Bezus who's now lost his O he's now 10-1 and it was for the vacant WBO European heavyweight title I'm guessing that maybe will get Adelaide a world ranking with a WBO there at heavyweight. Uh, Bezos as well down in the first round and then once prior to the stoppage in round two. Um, you know, I kind of expected it. I thought Adelaide would win by knockout. Obviously, he'd only been the distance at one time with a very, very tough... Um, Camille Sokolowski so even though I didn't know too much about this guy he was a bit of an unknown quantity to some degree I still felt that Adelaide would probably be able to get him out of there you know a guy much older than him who hadn't really done anything really to, to prove he was going places so good stuff for him moving out now to the Porsche Arena in Stuttgart over here we saw Felix Sturm move to 43 and 6 with three draws a unanimous decision win for him over 10 rounds against Sukru Alte who's now 15 and 3 didn't see the fight moving out now to the Nottingham Arena this one took place on Saturday of course live on the zone let's start with the undercard over here we saw Sam Maxwell moved to uh, 17 and 1, a points win for him over. Six rounds against Sean Cooper, now 13-5. and five. That opened up the card. But um, elsewhere on the undercard, Kieran Conway as well. I thought he might actually get the stoppage against Jorge Silva, but no. Once again, he goes to, to, to the distance there. Eighth-round um, unanimous decision for Kieran Conway, now 19-3 and three with a draw. Um, again, good for him to return back to winning ways after losing to Amo Williams last time out. Jorge Silva now 21-8. and eight. Um, Gamal Yafai, this was a little bit of a shock um he's now 19 and 3 he lost unanimously against diego ruiz now 23 or sorry 24 and 6 with a draw again we knew ruiz he'd been over here in the past fought michael conlon um i'm not sure maybe that one actually might have took place somewhere in ireland but yeah, you know, he'd, he'd come over and fought Lee McGregor as well, so very seasoned, and Gamal was coming off a bit of inactivity, I guess, and um, I said it before, this one always, for me, was going to be going the distance. Um, Gamal had to be on his A-game to win, but obviously... We saw straight away when he was knocked down in the second round that things were not going to be easy. Then he's down again in round three. I think a couple of those early ones were probably just more so balance issues. But again, he was losing these. They were they were real knockdowns. And then he goes down again, of course, in round 10. And I guess over the duration of the fight, really, he took a hell of a beating. And um, yeah, it did go the distance. But obviously, a big upset win there for Diego Ruiz. Amazing for him. Um, I jumped on that in play as well obviously after the first I think two knockdowns he was still an underdog to win the fight which I thought was crazy and and as the fight progressed the odds obviously got 
got hammered in and in the end he was a clear winner clear winner it wasn't even uh close he, he won wide wide Gamalia fire as well i think they were at one point gonna throw the towel in in the corner but they didn't and somehow god knows how he managed to actually get through the fight like i say his face was an utter mess and um it, it's really derailed him i think you know because he showed his level when he lost handily to jason cunningham and um you know I think that showed his ceiling, and then he, you know, he's out for a while. Comes back, I think maybe with a win against a low-level guy. Then gets in with with uh, Diego Ruiz and loses in this fashion. So for me, it kind of tells you that maybe I don't want to be harsh, but maybe retirement is something he should consider. You know, because he hasn't had a, a fantastic uh, career. He's Thirty-one years of age now, which I guess is kind of you know, old for a super bantam, and um, yeah, like I say, hasn't really, uh, I think they, they maybe could have moved him a bit better, you know, when you look back in in, uh, in hindsight, I don't think he's had the easiest of paths, but yeah, I, I just think, you know, he's just not as good as his brother Cal Yafai, obviously, and probably not as good as his other brother um, uh, Galau, you know, so but yeah, anyway, they're, they're a talented trio, but he's probably, unfortunately, the one at the bottom of that pile, um, anyway, moving on, um, Siobhan Clark as well, he goes a distance, he's now 5-0, and he goes a distance for the first time there against Israel Dufus, who was 20-8 and with 17 KOs and 4 stoppage losses, so I thought that Clark would win, but I guess in the end it's good to bank those 10 rounds, because they were a really, really valuable 10 rounds, and Dufus is actually a much better fighter than I thought he would be, you know, he, he hit um, Clark with a few good shots, you could see he was definitely heavy handed Dufus as well was down twice in round six once in round seven and then once in round ten so um yeah quite a mad fight but you know Clark um yeah had to dig deep got quite tired early on uh, sorry not early on late on and um yeah I guess answered a few questions really you know it's it's good when you see a guy go the distance for the first time and you know, just in his fifth fight there, he's gone 10 rounds. Not many people can say they've done 10 rounds in their fifth fight, you know. And I think he did them considerably well, considering he was in there with a guy that could punch. And although he got caught with a couple of shots here and there, it wasn't really anything to say he was in trouble. So I think that was a fantastic learning fight for him. And... um it's a plus for me, really, in, in terms of his progression. Uh, Gary Cully with, I think, the only knockout shown on the telecast at least he's now 16 and 0 a knockout of the previously undefeated 10 and 0 with one draw Wilfredo Flores second round TKO for Cully um Flores as well cut in round 1 down uh, in round 2 it was for the vacant WBA intercontinental lightweight title um it was just over very quickly to be honest with you you can't read too much into it it's it's uh it's more kind of all about Gary Cully at this stage, you know, I can't really tell you much about the fight in terms of it was great for his progression, it was great in terms of this was a really good fighter that he boxed, we didn't know much about the guy, and it didn't last long, so there's not too much to really say, other than it was a great win for Gary Cully, um, picked up uh, a belt in doing so, 
and you know I guess it's like I say just another spectacular win for him another showcase win and they're already talking about him being on that Katie Taylor undercard at home in Ireland which I think it will be fantastic for his profile as well 16 and 0 10 KOs now and that is five knockouts in a row all within five rounds so he's really 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 um, you know, proving to be quite a force. He's only 27 years of age, six foot two, southpaw, lightweight. <laughs> That's all you need to hear, and he can certainly crack as well. He's been proving so. He is in the form of his of his career at the minute, and there's no uh, there's no telling where it will where it will uh, see him go. Um, elsewhere on the card, uh, Dalton Smith now 14 and 0, a unanimous decision for him against Billy Allenson, who's now 10 and 2 with four draws. It was for the uh, for the British super lightweight title, Allenton down once in round eight. Um, I think Smith suffered a, cake, uh, a cut late on. Um, but yeah, Dalton Smith, obviously a much better fighter really than Billy Allington. A lot of people predicted the stoppage, so did I. I just thought Allington's just not a puncher at all. And, you know, Smith's not going to respect him. He's going to wear him down and probably stop him mid-rounds, I think my prediction was. But no, I think credit to Billy Allington, obviously he was down in round eight. But, you know, to, to actually go to ten rounds with Dalton Smith, I think you can take some kind of moral victory in there. Um, but yeah, you know, Dalton Smith... Um, not the best performance, you know, there's there's a hell of a lot of hype behind him, they're talking about him, they're talking about Adam Azim, um, it'd be a great fight, I mean, it probably doesn't make sense financially for both guys at the moment, but yeah, I think someone pointed out both guys have shown us um, not not really a fantastic performance in concurrent weeks there. They've both had a fight, I think, this weekend and last weekend, or last weekend, the weekend before, I should be saying. And um, yeah, it hasn't really blown us away. Like, it's, it's kind of been a, yeah, it's an okay victory. And that's what it was. I mean, he won every round pretty much here, Dalton Smith. So, you know, we can't moan too much. Same against, same about Adam Azim, really. But you know, we didn't see the stoppage that I think we all expected in both the fights, and both guys had their opponents down, but were unable to finish them, so there's a lot of similarities there, and moving up to the main event, Lee Wood now 26-3, and three. he was TKO'd against um, Mauricio Lara, Mauricio Lara now 26-2, and two with a draw, he's the new WBA world featherweight champion, Wood cut in the first round by the way, I think it was a head clash though, and obviously down prior to the stoppage in round 7, um, gonna run through the fight just really really briefly, I felt that Lara probably nicked maybe the first round, um, Lee Wood though started to really dominate I think after that you know I think his jab was excellent and he used his size really well I made a point last time um, we, we did the show last week saying that even though they might have even been listed as the same height I don't think they they didn't look the same height to me anyway in the ring Lee Wood looked a hell of a lot bigger than Maurizio Lara but obviously Maurizio Lara has that power to make up for his lack of size but I think Lee Wood actually used his size very very well throughout the fight even though it wasn't like a case of, um, it, you know, it wasn't a jab fest. He wasn't trying to keep him behind the jab. He wasn't trying to use his size in terms of throw his weight over him and bully him. It wasn't like that. It was very much stood in the center of the ring, but I think he picked his shots quite well and he used his jab, which obviously was very important against a guy like Lara. Um, so yeah, I think Lee Wood was in control really. And I was a bit worried because, you know, I backed Lara for the knockout win and um, I was a little bit worried 
you know, through the, f the first maybe three, four, five rounds, that we weren't going to see a knockout from Lara, you know, because again, obviously I wanted Leewood to win being a Brit, but I actually had bet on Lara to win by knockout. I thought the money on that, you know, the price on that was, was really hard to pass up. And um, I thought, wow, Lee Wood seems like he's got this in the bag. Lara um, just didn't look like the same fighter I'd seen previously. And I thought, wow, what's going on with him? You know, he just doesn't look the same guy. Um, and I, I think I found out that he maybe hadn't made the wait for like two years or something like that, or, or maybe three years. So that was something that I thought, oh, okay, that maybe makes makes a bit of sense as to why he doesn't quite look the same fighter um, that, that he'd been previously, because previously he hasn't strictly had to make the wait properly. But um, yeah, anyway, he did get the stoppage and it was, it was just, you know, a, an excellent shot there. I think it was a big left hook. Um, obviously, there was 10 seconds left in the round, but Ben Davison made the decision, the split-second decision, to throw the towel in and and save his fighter. Um, he has said that he didn't hear the 10-second clapper, and I can understand that, you know, being caught up in the, mo in the moment like he would have been. Um, obviously, there's people that are sitting at home. They can see the timer on the TV you know, 12 seconds, 11 seconds, 10 seconds, and they're saying, oh, there was only 10 seconds left, he shouldn't have done that, but obviously, if he didn't hear the 10-second clapper, he doesn't know how long's left in the round, and if you don't know how long's left in the round, then it's definitely uh, the right thing to do to stop the fight, um, even if there was only a matter of seconds left in the round, still, it was probably the right time to stop the fight. No complaints from me about the corner stoppage from Ben Davison, um, but what I will say is, yeah, I was impressed with Lee Wood for as long as it lasted, and obviously for him, it was a huge shame for it all to come crashing down there with one punch in a fight that he was dominating, I think it is actually a word I'd use. But I know you saw it. What did you make of it? Oh, man, it was uh, it was very interesting fight. I liked what Lee Wood was doing early on, but you seen and. And, you know, I can't remember what round, uh, maybe it might have been even the first, him land, Laura land some heavy shots. And you can see that, yeah, it's one of those situations where you're like, you're watching the fight and they say it, it just looked like, even though Lee Wood was doing so well, it started, and, and I know you were saying it was like, I didn't think the stoppage was coming, but it was kind of something that I just, I didn't necessarily know if he was going to stop him or not. Or, but I just feel eventually he would get into a position where he may hurt him, you know what I mean, and get him in trouble. Maybe start to, uh, you know, turn the tide a little bit his way. It, it just seemed like it was just a matter of time for that to happen. I mean, I'm not saying that Lee Wood couldn't, you know, box him to a decision because I mean that very well could have happened. But it just always had that feel like, especially when he landed some of those big shots on him in some of those rounds, that it just it seemed like it was gonna it, it was gonna come. Although, though, Lee Wood was really doing well and even landed him, landed some nice, nice power shots and got some respect. You know what I mean? He made him put some respect on it, you know what I mean, while he was uh, while he was in there. And, I mean, I, it was an exciting, interesting kind of matchup with the contrast of styles and things like that. It was, it was really good. Uh, that kind of fight I would like to see again. I would like to see that kind of fight all the time. It was, it was good skills. And everything involved with it, it wasn't just like a, you know, a slugfest where, where where you couldn't take any, where there was no substance or or nothing you could take from it. It was it was interesting. It was a good, 
uh, back in, well, I don't want to say necessarily back and forth. I thought Lee Wood was controlling the fight up until the time of the stoppage. And it was one hell of a shot that he caught him with. As far as the stoppage, I'm never going to argue with the corner when he stops it, regardless of what it is. I'm never going to argue it was something that they see. They know their guy. You understand what I'm saying? They know their guy. There's no reason that someone would come up there and, uh, you know, and, and stop the fight knowing that their guy has a chance to win. You know what I'm saying? If they didn't think it was really something going on and something that they couldn't control uh, happening in there and, and their guy was just on the bad end of it. I think it, and if he saw a reason to stop it, it was a great stoppage. I have no argument. I think if, like I said, they, he knows his guy. He's a good trainer. He's 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 been at the top training guys for a while now. He knows when his guy is not is is not capable of finishing. And then Lee Wood, from what I'm understanding, listening to Carl Frotch, said that uh you know he was done. So <laughs> even he didn't complain about it. So um yeah, it, it's unfortunate that it happened that way and. I thought Lee Wood was doing really well, but you know the stoppage had to happen, and 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 I'm proud. I'm 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 happy to see to see that uh, Davidson came out there and stopped that fight, and not being one of those brave corners to let their guy get pounded when he's really uh, in, in a way defenseless. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. And uh, moving on now to the Cow Palace in Daly City, California, USA, over here. Um, Ronald Gavril with a majority decision win over eight rounds against Kanell Wheeler, now seven and three, but Gavril's twenty-three and three. It was for the vacant WBC Continental America's light heavyweight title, so a close fight there. Also on the card, another close fight. Andy Vences now twenty-three and four with two draws, a technical draw. Um, I say close, <laughs> a bit premature of me. I didn't realize it was a technical draw. First round, I'm guessing must have been um, a head clash or an injury or something. Yeah, but a technical draw there against Christian Rubamino, who's now twenty-three and seven with three draws. Also on the card, he returned to winning ways after losing last time out. Evan Holyfield, he is now ten and one, a TKO for him against Terence Jarman in round one. Jarman now three and three. Evan Holyfield back to winning ways. Moving out now to the Fox Theater in Pomona, California over here. It was live on the zone. It was right after the Lee Wood card. So they had two um, good shows actually on Saturday evening. And I'm going to hold my hands up and say I completely didn't tune into this one. So um, I don't know if you did, Eddie. I'm guessing you probably didn't, but we have let the fans down, I think, because I, I was raving about how good of a fight the main event was probably going to be. And from what I've heard, it was a good fight, but I missed all of it. Um, the main event, Lewis Neary, now 34-1. and one. He was able to KO in round 11. Azat Hovanesian, now 21-4. and four. Um, I actually thought Lewis Neary would win on points over 12 rounds, but for him to get the stoppage was quite impressive. And for him to get it in round... 11 was quite unexpected he becomes the first man to stop Havanesian um Hovanissian cut under, under the right eye from a punch in round 3, down in round 10, and then stopped on his feet in round 11. Um, that's a brilliant win there for Neary, by the way. A lot of people actually fancied Hovanissian to get the job done. Um, also on the undercard, Shane Mosley Jr., now 19-4. and four. He was able to beat unanimously over 10 rounds Mario 
Alberto Lozano, who's coming off that big layoff about three or four years when he when he last fought, when he got knocked out by Liam Smith. He's now 33 and 11. But anyway, that's it for the review part of the show. We've flown through that as quick as possible. It's now time to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO super bantamweight champion of the world. It is, of course, the Royal Storm, Mr. Isaac Dogbay. Isaac, welcome back on the show, my man. Thank you, Joey. How, how have you been? It's been quite. It's, it's, it's been. It's been a minute. It has been a minute, man. We last spoke in July 2021, so over a year and a half ago. Um, I'm doing yeah. good. Thanks for asking. I can't believe it's been that long. At the time when we last spoke, you were fresh off your win over Adam Lopez. Since then, you fought twice. You picked up two wins, Christopher Diaz and Joet Gonzalez, both on points. How have things been, my man? By God's special grace, man. Everything has been excellent, you know. Um, thankful to God. Thankful to my family and, uh, you know, thankful for how things are things are going. And how is life now? I'm sure you're now fully adjusted to life in D.C. Yes, yes, everything. Look, I can't complain. Honestly, I cannot complain. God has been so good and um, the place to has been so good to me you know so i'm um i'm i'm blessed and your next fight's been announced april the 1st is the day in tulsa oklahoma against the 2016 olympic gold medalist rabisi ramirez um rabisi didn't really have the best start to his pro career obviously losing in his first fight but he seems to have turned it around now not many people want to step in the ring with this man obviously you've took the fight what made you run towards him when others run away from him, Isaac? Well, if you say not many people want to fight him, which and who are the many people? You I don't know. know. I who feel like he's people? avoided. Uh, I don't. I, I. I don't think that um, there are many people. People are out there. That I don't. I mean, when the opportunity presents itself, I'm sure they will take it. And um, he was never presented to me before, so. And I never avoided, so um, I wouldn't say many people avoided him. And listen, he's achieved so much. Uh, congratulations to him. I mean, amateurs, but he's a pro, and um, he's doing he's he's doing well. Um, but I mean, look, we 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 love a challenge, you know. And um, we just take we take it one fight at a time. Whoever whoever comes, we say yes, and we just go out there and perform. That's all it is. Obviously, fighters who had successful amateur careers, like you touched on, he he was a successful amateur, they're able to move quicker than others when they turn professional. For him to fight you as well, I want to look at it from this other angle as well, for him to fight you in just his 13th pro fight, obviously I know there's a title on the line, so he kind of has to take the fight, but this is a massive step up for him as well. He's boxed no one near your level yet. Do you give him credit for, for stepping in with you as well? Oh, yeah, of course. Look, you give credit to every man that steps in the ring with you, regardless of their, regardless of their, of their, um, of their record. Um, I've never overlooked a man, and I'm not, I'm not overlooking um, Robisa Ramirez either. So, I mean, look, it's a, it's, he's a good fighter. But, hey, this is the big boys, you know. So, um, I'm really looking forward to this fight, seeing what he's bringing to the table. Because I know what I'm bringing to the table, and um, you know I'm looking to, by God's special grace, um, working out of the ring as the new WBO featherweight champion. 
And Isaac, how many options did you have on the table um, before this fight come up? Obviously, you're a former world champion. You'd have thought that a lot of guys want to fight you because of that. But it, has, it, has it been hard getting opponents recently? I would like to say yes, because, um, you know, there's been, there's, there's, there's been a couple of, you know, guys, um, top rank at the time had, you know, had uh, had spoken to a few people and always, it never really seems to fall through. Um, you know, they, they, they talked to Eddie Hearn about me fighting some of his people, you know, some of the champions, and they, they always seem to be occupied or preoccupied. You know, of other fights, but look, it's, it's what it is. Um, I just have to just take my time and you know just go through the motion and wait for my time to come and wait for whoever they present to me. Um, I mean, so when they mentioned Rabisi Ramirez at the time, obviously I was number one contender for the WBO and number two contender for the, the BBC, and um, uh, um, Brandon Figueroa was number. two number two for the VBO and number one for the VBC. So it was kind of like, you know, um, switched over between the two uh, organizations. Um, yeah, the the BBC route wanted me to fight another um, eliminator, you know, whereas the VBO route uh, had, um, you know, a world title, you know, straight away. So we, we, we took the, the VBO route. Yeah, that makes sense, of course. And as you say there, you've you've had to be patient. You've had to take your time. Obviously, you've ha- you've had to wait a long time, really, for this opportunity. It's been four years now since you were last able to say you're a reigning world champion. April the 1st, yeah. you get the chance to become a two-time, two-weight world champion. Um, I don't feel like you ever really lack motivation, but surely this is the opportunity you've been waiting for for all this time. This is such an important fight for you now. Yes, yes. And also to add a little to what I said earlier on, um, you know, before the fight was, was contracted, obviously my, my contract with um, Top Rank had come to an end, you know, because obviously I had been with Top Rank for like four years. And, um, you know, my contract with Top Rank came to an end and, uh, on, I believe, September of last year. September of last year. So it was a big decision to you know to take you know because I was also looking at the options of you know whether to go back to the UK or whether to stay here and or you know to see how I was gonna really execute the next the next the next um the next uh you know the next fight or the next um step of my of my of my boxing career so I mean taking the water water out of fight it just I just was you know look this opportunity for me to become a two-time two division world champion and um after almost five years you know this is this is like this is a big opportunity once again and i believe that was like god god made or god sent and um we took it you know i i thought about it you know i prayed about it and um i agreed to fight and yeah so april 1st when i come out victorious It'll be another historic moment and, um, you know, it'll be one that I'm very, very proud of, um, you know, given the fact that God has really kept me grounded. And, um, you know, um, after all these years, you know, I'll be, <clears throat> it'll be, it'll be an excellent win. 
Yeah, and I want to also say as well, since we last spoke, those two wins are mentioned, Gonzalez and Diaz. Obviously, they've been splits and majority decisions. Um, is it fair to say that you'll need to be better than you were in those fights to ensure a victory against Ramirez, Isaac? Of course, of course. Every fight, you know, every fight has um, comes with its own challenges, you know, and... Uh, I know this fight. I have to be, I have to be my best, you know, and I have to really go out there to execute. Um, but every fight puts you onto the next step for the next fight, you know. So, and I see, I see from my previous fights that after every fight, I'm constantly improving. You know, there's always a, a small, a small um, changes in the in the way I'm fighting. You know, because at this level, everyone, everyone is good. You know, everyone is sharp. Everyone is on top. It's on top of the game. So I have to be on top of my game um, against Rubis Ramirez. And Isaac, I know you probably wouldn't have fought too far in the future, but have you got any plan at all of what you would do after you become victorious April first? Right now. We take it one fight at a time, yeah. you know. Um, with, with, uh, the main focus on this fight, um, after when God permits and I win this fight, you know, the next the next thing will be to will be to fight in the next champion, and that's 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 the almost um, you know the the next stage. And um, I don't know, I don't know who 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 it will be. It could be it could be. Um, it could be Josh Warrington, because I know I, I don't know. I just feel like I just feel like me fighting Josh Warrington will be like um Otoro Gatti and um you know and and uh, and and Mickey uh, Ward. What and Mickey Ward. You know, I think it will be really exciting. So you know, yeah. But yeah, uh, when when I win this when I win this title, I'm looking to you know fighting other champions. And talking of some other champions, obviously we've now got a new champion in the division after Saturday. Did you see Maurizio yep. Lara knock out Lee Wood? Yes, yes, I did. I did. I did. I think, look, Lee Wood is a good fighter. Um, especially, you know, how he how he he, he got up to knock out um, McConlon, you know, to win the title. I mean, he's a good fighter, you know, and... Um, I mean, unlucky to him, but um, congratulations to to Lara as well because he's also another um, formidable fighter. I mean, like I said, it's a it's a fight game, you know, it's a fight game, and our division, the featherweight division, is really is getting is getting heated up, and you know, it's always exciting. So I'm looking forward to mixing up all these other great champions. And my last real question for you, Isaac, and I don't mean to end it on a depressing note, but people listen to this podcast from all over the world, all continents, and I wanted to get your reaction, obviously, to the tragic loss of your fellow Ghanaian sportsman, Christian Atsu, in the horrific earthquake. Um, if you have one, obviously, heartbreaking stuff, real heartbreaking for the nation. Yes, yes. I mean, look... Um... Christian was a he was a great guy. Um, I believe like what well, the last time the last time we spoke was uh, January, really and truly, um, just in the new year. And you know it was just about 
you know, I think I must have posted something in your commenting about it. I mean, and over over the years, we do talk from time to time. And um, you'd be like, yo, he wants to come and watch me fight one of these days. And, you know, and um, so, I mean, I, I was still hopeful, hope, you know, when they said the, the, the earthquake had happened and they were looking for people, I was actually hoping that, you know, what he could be because people were, people had been missing for like two weeks and they were getting found and they were still okay, you know. So I was actually like hoping that, you know, what we'll get the good, the good news that, Maybe he's fine, you know, or something. But it's unfortunate that um, it happened that way. And listen, um, it's 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 a it's a, it's a it's a it's a tough thing to deal with, especially when one leaves their family, leave their home, and be like, hey, I'm going here, you know, to 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 work, to bring something home, to look after my family, and then you go, and then this something tragic happens and it's it's really it's really tough you know we can only remember um his family in our prayers and you know and that's all and also try and um, be nice to be nice to each other you know because it's the way of the world one minute a person is here the next minute the person is gone you know so you just have to be kind to one another because you never know when someone else is going to leave you know yeah well said (laughs) Well said. It's, uh, it's 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 tragic. Obviously, um, you know, rest in peace to him, and uh, just goes to show you can't take life for granted. Just finally, before we let you go, Isaac, I know you love to close out our interviews with some excellent words of wisdom. If you have any right now for the listeners, let us know the latest words of wisdom. You always give us a lovely little a lovely little pearl before you go. <laughs> um. <laughs> Man, Jay, listen, bro. You always, you always put me <laughs> put you on the spot. <laughs> um, I mean, look, we just have to keep on. You know, we have to thank God every day because that's the utmost is of our, our, our most importance. Is is the most important thing that you know one can do. It doesn't matter what faith you are. Um, you know, you just have to you have to be thankful you know, each and every day that you wake up out of bed. Um, because life could be worse. If you think life if you think that you're struggling right now, you know, it could be worse. So always just look on the bright side, you know. Um, you know, someone 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 said that um it's not it's not the pain that ruins us. It's the things we try to avoid. We try we try to avoid we try to avoid that's what ruins us, you know, so um, we have to just keep, 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 keep the word of God in our hearts, and you know, love unconditionally, love each other, and forgive, and forgive each other, you know, and and be thankful. That's what we can do. There we in go. Small ways. There we go. There we go. Says. Yeah says a brilliant pearl of wisdom before we go every single time does isaac listen isaac it's always a pleasure speaking with you my man thank you for your time and the next time i speak to you i don't want to speak to a one-time world champion but a two-time a two-time two division two-time two division there we go my man yes. Neho, speak to you soon Neho. yes sir brother yeah, you take care yeah 
Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, is the news part of the show. Only one piece of news to bring you this week. It's that on April the 15th in London, obviously on the undercard of uh, Joe Joyce and Zili Zhang, we're going to see a female fight be the co-main event. And the co-main event is going to be Michaela Mayer um, making her debut at lightweight. She gets in with former two-time junior welterweight champion, Christina Linadatu. Um So it's going to be good to see Michaela Mayer back in action for the first time since losing controversially to Alicia Baumgartner. Not only that, but obviously the fact that she's moving up in weight as well. It's going to be interesting. There's a lot of great fights in, that can be made at 135 for her. And um, obviously Linadatu as well. The fact that she's been in with Katie Taylor, went the distance and lost to her. Um, been in with Alicia Baumgartner, beat Baumgartner as well. That's that's the only lady to have beaten Baumgartner. There's 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 a lot I think that we can read into here. Also, she lost to Delphine Pasoon as well. So, yeah, I mean Michaela Mayer should win, should win on points as well, and um, it'll be good. It'll be good to see Michaela Mayer back out. Um, but yeah, if she beats Linadatu, you know she's going to be saying I've beaten the one girl that beat you to Alicia. So you know that it's just a collision course. I think we're going to see that rematch at some point. It's just it's just a matter of when. And um, that's it for the news. Moving on to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. It takes place at the Hilton Hotel Porto Masso in Malta. Um, that's a, that's a, a place in Europe that I think I went to when I was a little kid. Um, I'd like to go back someday, actually. But anyway, the reason we're speaking about this one is because um, it's extremely random. But Dave Allen is on the card. He was supposed to fight last weekend. The fight fell through. He was devastated, but he was very happy moments later when they managed to pull some strings and get him on a card in Malta. So there, he, there we go. He's hopped on a plane. Um, no opponent just yet for him, which makes me a little bit skeptical about... You know, if it's definitely going to go ahead, he's the only guy on the card that doesn't have an opponent, but hopefully it gets sorted. But at this stage, nothing to report. But anyway, Dave Allen, all the best to you. Friend of the show, friend of Eddie's now uh, currently 20 and 5 with two draws. Um, Moving out now to the Armory in Minnesota, USA. This one's a really, really good one, actually. Um, There's a few good fights, I think, here. It's going to be on Showtime. But let's start with the main event. Subriel Matias, 18 and 1 with 18 KOs, fights here for the vacant IBF World Super Lightweight title, a title that was recently vacated, I believe, by Josh Taylor. Um, he gets in with Jeremias Ponce, who's 30 and 0 with 20 KOs. Now, obviously, we've spoke about Matias in the past, Eddie. I think you were saying something about one of his previous performances um doesn't really matter to be honest with you but obviously brings the excitement 18 KOs and his 18 wins his one loss came to Petros Ananyan I think we were talking about that fight when it happened but good fighter um is is Matias but he gets in with Jeremias Ponce an Argentinian fighter who the Bricks will remember he come over here and fought Lewis Ritson and knocked him out in round 10 but you know, he's a decent fighter. I think the record is a little bit padded, the fact that he's managed to get himself to 30-0, and 0, mainly fighting guys with losing records. But he showed us against Lewis Ritson that he's a really, really, really good fighter, man. He, he really brought it to Ritson and, and battered him, really, you know, at home in Newcastle. Since then, he's gone back to Argentina, I believe, and... Um, 
No, I'm wrong. He's gone to Germany and had two random fights in Germany, um, you know, against lower level guys. And here we go. He steps in with Subriel Matias. I think he's been biding uh, his time since beating Ritson, getting world ranked. I think he's been biding his time because the world title shot was going to be imminent. And um, with, I think, Josh Taylor vacating, I believe he, yeah, was, was always going to be fighting for a vacant title. I think he might have been ranked like number one or number two, something like that. So anyway, long story short, should be a really good fight. Don't write off um, Ponce though. I think we're probably not going to see the the final bell, but um, it, it's going to be a good fight, I think, while it lasts. Um, all the best to both guys. I don't really care who wins. Um, elsewhere as well on the undercard, we've got Elvis Rodriguez, 13-1 and with a draw. The one loss was to friend of the show, Kenneth Sims Jr., um, who was on a few a few months ago. Good guy. Um, yeah, but this is a really good fight. So Elvis Rodriguez, like I say, 13-1 and one with one draw. 12 knockouts in his 13 wins. He gets in with Joseph Adorno, who's 17-1 and one with two draws. 14 KOs. So, um, again, we could see uh, a knockout in this one as well. So two fights there that it would appear we're going to see knockouts in. I think... Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good one there. And Joseph Adorno is quite a big underdog. I fancy his chances, to be honest with you. Also on the card, we're going to see Jamal James, 27-2, and two, stepping in with Alberto Palmetta, who is 18-1. Jamal James, I feel like he's been quite inactive um, of, of recent times. I remember watching his last fight when he lost to Butaev. Um, hasn't boxed since then. That was about a year and a half ago. Gets in with this guy here, Alberto Palmetta, like I say, 18-1. and one. On a decent little run as well, beating a few little kind of smaller name guys along the way. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a good fight or not, to be honest with you, but it's, it's one to mention. And also we have Quadratillo Abdukukarov, who is 18-1 with 10 KOs, I believe. He steps in with, it's a bit of a banana skin really, but he steps in with Vaishon, um Owens, who... Again, the reason why I'm saying it's a banana skin is he's another banger. There's a lot of guys that can punch on this card, and he is another one of them. Um, 13 wins, 12 by KO, 3 losses, only one time was he knocked out. Um, you know, been in there with Alberto Pueyo, Chordal Booker, Sebastian Fundora was the only guy to have actually stopped him. But yeah, you know, he can punch as well. So I think there's, there's possibly going to be a few knockouts on this card. Um... That's about it, though, for that one. And, uh, yeah, moving to the final card to mention, Eddie. I think I'm going to come to you for maybe two fights on this card. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about this one first. I won't come to you for this, but we're going to see a, a prospect called Bader Samreen, who is 7-0. and It's an eight-rounder here. He gets in with Viriel Simeon, who's 23-9. and It's a shame, really, because Viriel Simeon was, you know... I don't want to say highly touted or or or, um, or anything like that. That would be a little bit of a stretch, but certainly highly respected. You know, there was a period of time where he come through, he was undefeated and everything like that. Lost his O to Lee Selby. There was no shame in that. Then he fought Scott Quigg. Lost his O, not lost his O, lost the fight to him as well. But obviously he went the distance with Selby and, and, and Quigg, two world champions. Then he got stopped by Shakur Stevenson in just one round back in 2018. And pretty much since then, he's not been the same fighter. Since then, I'll even go as far to say that he's won two 
two fights in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And, you know, to, to win two fights in seven... Sorry, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Two fights in his last eight, and he's been stopped one, two, three, four, five times in those uh, in those last eight fights. So, two wins, six losses since losing to Shakur Stevenson, and stopped five times. So, yeah, it's definitely changed him. You know, most of the time he's been pulled out by his corner, though, which is mad. In fact, every time he's been pulled out by his corner. So he must have a very, very soft corner. Or maybe he's just got a password or a secret message that, that he, he does when he gets in the corner when he's had enough. Maybe he coughs or something like that or scratches his head with his glove. There's something he's doing, I think, that they're stopping it in the corner. Because he, he was pulled out in the corner by Samuel Molina, by Harlem Eubank, by Zelfa Barrett, by Gary Cully, by Samuel Molina again. Again, he actually fought him twice. Um, the first time, sorry, he didn't stop him, making a bit of a mess of this. And then Dennis Berenchik as well was um, another fight where he, he got pulled out in the corner. So, yeah, he's had a torrid, torrid run. And he gets in with Badir Samreen, who is probably not a fantastic fighter. But, you know, this young guy, 7-0, 6 KOs, I think it's only going to go one way, just based off the record. Will Simeon give it a go? considering he actually won his last fight against an undefeated fighter possibly but probably not and uh yeah moving on to the two bigger fights on the card let's let's go here first this is a really interesting one eddie the moment it got made i you know these are my kind of weird fights and you know what i'm getting at we're gonna see ilunga makabu 29 and 2 25 ko's putting his his uh, WBC World Cruiserweight title on the line against Badu Jack, 27 and three with three draws. This is my kind of fight. It's weird, you know. It's 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 more more so a fight really for the hardcores than a lot of the people that's probably going to be tuning in for the main event, the YouTube fans. Um, but it's just a weird fight, you know. You've got Badu Jack who. You know, his last loss came to Jean Pascal back in December 2019. Since then, he's racked up five wins, three by KO, but they've been super low level. You know, he's beat Blake McKernan, um, Dervin Kalina, Samuel Crost, Haney Atillo, and then in his very last fight, he was able to beat Richard Rivera. He took his O, but 95% of people believe that Rivera deserved the nod, and I was one of them. I think Badu Jack was extremely fortunate to get the decision last time out, which I should also mention was also in Saudi Arabia, where this fight's going to be. Um, so yeah, he gets in with Makabu, but back to what I was saying, Badu Jack really and truly, for me, was you know a, a career super middleweight. That's where I think he was at his best, obviously, was a world champion there. And he moved up to light heavy, and I think, for me, he was never truly suited to light heavy. But he had his first fight at the weight on a Mayweather undercard, got in with Nathan Cleverly, who, again, you know, uh, yeah, you know, Nathan Clever Cleverly was a good fighter, but for whatever reason, I mean, he never boxed again after that fight. He was terrible that night. He was absolutely terrible. He obviously got his paycheck being on a Mayweather undercard. And, you know, he, he announced his retirement right after the fight. Never boxed again. And he's, you know, <laughs> I don't know. He was awful that night, you know. And I think Badu Jack, I don't want to say... Yeah, he probably picked the right man, actually, to, to, to become a champion at, at light heavyweight. 
you know, become a two-weight world champion. After that, obviously, gets in with Adonis Stevenson and, you know, credit to Badu Jack because I think he boxed really well. Obviously, they end up drawing, but even to get in there with a puncher like Stevenson and to not go down was incredible for Badu Jack, who'd obviously been knocked out at, at, at super middleweight. Um, and then, like I say, since then, is is his um his draw with with uh, Stevenson since then loses to Marcus Brown obviously when he opened that horrific cut on 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 Marcus oh, sorry when Marcus Brown uh, inflicted that horrific cut on Badu Jack's forehead after that was the the Jean Pascal fight which I should mention as well was really his last proper fight and he was down as well in that fight but lost a split decision it was close in the end um like I say, that was December 2019, and then, yeah, he's had a bunch of meaningless wins, and then he got in with Richard Rivera, and this is what I'm saying, in this time, he's moved up to cruiserweight, so I never felt he was truly suited to 175, but he did well there, credit to him, moves up here 25 pounds at cruiserweight, I think his last maybe two or three or four fights have been at cruiserweight, but like I say, I don't think he should be at this weight at all. And he gets in here with a Lunga Makabu, who technically I don't think is, you know, he's definitely not, um, uh, cannot think of any boxer right now who's technically sound for some reason. He's not a Purnell, okay? Um, but he can bang. He's big, you know, and he's a true, true cruiserweight. And this, for me, Eddie, I'm going to say it, I think he's a step too far for Badu Jack. Um... I don't know if you agree or not. <laughs> I was probably quite long while I was trying to, you know, paint the picture of my point there. But I think this is a bit too far for Badu Jack. Let's not forget as well, he doesn't look it, but 39 years of age. I think he's the slightly taller man, which is a bit surprising. But um, yeah, gets in with Makabu. Makabu, a southpaw banger. And the power is real. Um... Yeah, you know, on a on a really good run. He hasn't lost a fight since he lost to Tony Bellew back in twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean this this is a this is a stretch. When I heard that he was moving up to uh like uh to um cruiser, I was yeah, I was <laughs> I was like, Wow, really? It's like why? <laughs> you know, it's like a you know, and a lot of people are like, Okay, well they they want to make that pit stop at cruiserweight and and, and then obviously they think the next logical step from there is to heavyweight and, you know, being the, you know, making it up there, getting that heavyweight money, that heavyweight, everything else. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it sounds good, but in practice it's not always the best. And, you know, when you look at guys like Roy Jones Jr. Yeah, he can do that. You look at guys like James Tony. Yeah, they can do that because those are some of the best boxers you'll ever see in, in life. And even when you talk about Holyfield who came up, uh, from 175, and even Tomas Adamic, who done the same, they were still bigger men. You know what I mean? And 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 had okay careers there, but were obviously suited to put on that weight. I don't know that Badu Jack really has that, nor does he have the ability that those guys did. I mean, I'm not knocking him. He's done well at the other weights, um, but this is a big step. And stepping in there with a guy like this who's a puncher, tough guy, legitimate, dangerous, you know, uh, uh, opponent. Uh, like you said, been on a great run recently and has been successful. It's it's it's, it's really a difficult step for him to take, uh, I think. You know what I mean? I kind of agree with you, Joe. I, 
it might be a little bit out of bounds for him. You know, we'll see, you know, and, and he's proven, you know, he's proven me wrong in the past and, and fights that I didn't, I didn't think he would win. And, and even being a world champion, I didn't know if he would ever really make it that far. And he's done it in two weights, which is great. Uh, or he's been at that level in two weights, uh, which is really, really good. So I guess I got to shut my mouth on that. But um, like you said, and also being 39, he's almost my age. Wow. It's going to be, you know, it's it's it's, it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle. You're in there with somebody who's really a live dog, a real tough opponent, and um, big puncher. And I've even actually, I've had a conversation with a guy who actually was is a heavyweight that trained with that guy and sparred with him and said the power is definitely real. So it's a hell of a step he's taken. It's a dangerous fight, but then again, we also seen him in there with Stevenson, who was a huge puncher at 175, and he was able to deal with it. So, you know, maybe, you know, that's something he maybe he's, he's better suited for than we think. But as it stands and how it looks, it's going to be a rough one for him. Um, I hope he does well, but we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see. Obviously, um, I'd love to see Badu Jack win. He's a friend of the show, but I think it's a it's a tough task. He's the underdog with the bookies for a reason. And yeah, never in a million years should he be up at two hundred pounds against someone who can bang like this. But then again, I kind of said the same. You know, when he moved from super middle to light heavy to take on Adonis Stevenson, but that was only a £7 increase. This is another £25 from there. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's got any business being in with Makabu. And, you know, up in age now, I just don't think he's been really taking uh, boxing seriously in recent years, and he could end up paying the price here. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope he can somehow pull it out. But I expect him to probably get knocked out, really, by Makabu. Um just trying to look here. What is the most expected outcome? The expected outcome is actually Makabu points, which I don't agree with. I think it's going to be, um, it will be Badu Jack points, I think, or Makabu knockout. I really don't see how, I don't think Makabu's going to get a decision in Saudi with, with Badu Jack. I mean, we saw last time, I think the, uh, the guys out there really like Badu Jack, um, you know. So anyway, we'll see, we'll see. And then the main event, Eddie. I cannot believe we're actually discussing this. It's finally happening, but um, this is a, this is probably going to be the first time ever that we actually fully preview a Jake Paul fight. Jake Paul six and zero gets in with Tommy Fury eight and zero, eight rounds here. Um, you know what? I, I'm not really confident either way. I'm going to say my piece first because obviously you're going to come in and you know you're going to probably make more more logical sense than I will, but. I'm I'm split on how I see it going. Obviously, uh, you know, I understand everyone saying Tommy Fury's a, a fighting man, he's from a fighting family, blah blah blah. It's all in the blood. You you simply can't lose to a YouTuber, etc. 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 I do think Jake Paul, you know, uh deserves credit. I've said it many times before on the show. You know, he's a guy that doesn't need to fight at all to make money. The guy, you know, doesn't need to do anything at all to make money. <laughs> you know, he's he's a he's an internet sensation. He's a superstar in his own field, in his own right. Um, credit to him, though, obviously, for taking to the sport of boxing, for falling in love with it, and for training his backside off for all this entire time. Um, and he's been training hard. He has probably been training much harder than Tommy Fury has in the last three years, I'd go as far to say. Um, but will it be enough? I don't know. 
You know, I've heard lots and lots of things about Tommy Fury over the years. Uh, most of it is behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, behind-the-gym doors type of stuff. Because we haven't seen him really, uh, you know, in with anyone notable at all as a pro. And also, he's never been as far as eight rounds. The most he's done was six rounds, which was uh, just under a year ago. That was the first time he's done six. Other than that, he's done four uh, four rounds uh, twice or three times. Jake Paul as well, you know, went eight rounds for the first time or for the second time in his last fight uh, when, he, when he obviously beat Anderson Silva. Um, two fights before that as well went the distance with Tyrone Woodley. Um, but yeah, in terms of doing the rounds, Jake Paul has actually got more rounds in as well as a pro. He's done 26 rounds. Tommy Fury has done uh, 24 rounds in two more fights. So um, yeah, I think that, that there's there's a lot of tangibles here, man. There really, really are. Um, the one thing I feel like I'd be quite confident in saying, though, is that I don't see this fight going eight rounds. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it there. Eddie, I'm going to come to you for not only your breakdown, but also your prediction. Wow, you're going to get the prediction too, huh? We need it. <laughs> well, you know, this is a situation. I've trained with Tommy Fury, but at the time I was training with him, he was an amateur. He was just getting started. Um, he was a young kid. Showed promise. He's my size then, big kid. I think I forget how old he was at the time. Uh, but he was young. Something like that, yeah. And he was like my size already. Um, but I guess he didn't get that much bigger. But anyway. Um, but he showed promise. He was strong. You know, had good physique on him at the time. Uh, and he was training with us. So, I mean, it was hard training you know, all the time, you know, when he was a part of it. And, uh, you know, he was he was around Tyson. He was around us. So, you know, he got a good, uh, a good start to it. I don't know in recent years. I haven't been around him. He's been uh, like a... a, a you know, a TV, a TV star and a lot of those things happen. And, you know, sometimes when that type of stuff happens, you kind of get caught up in that. You know what I'm saying? You get caught up in that life and the boxing thing kind of takes a little bit of a backseat, especially when that's paying you more than boxing is, which is obviously the case. Um, but then, you know, you look on the other side and you see Jake Paul who has money, doesn't need, like you said, doesn't need boxing or whatever, but for some reason just has a, a desire to be it, wants to be it, loves it, can't think of nothing else. And then, you know, then you see the success he's having and fighting guys that don't get me wrong, most most aren't fighters, you know, boxers at least. You know, I mean, there may be fighters in other, other, other uh, disciplines, but they're not boxers. But even that, with Anderson Silva being actually pretty damn good at it, and then Jake Paul ended up winning that fight and dropping him and things like that. Even though it's a 47-year-old Anderson Silva at the time, it still is, it does show that his desire to be a fighter, his desire to really take box to, to take boxing to another level uh, is really, really there. Like, he's really, really interested in it. And he's focused on that. And, you know, different people, I, uh, you know, that I've talked to, you know, made me realize, you know, you get your little bit of hateration in your body, if that is even a word, uh, you know, when you think of a guy who hasn't fought his whole life like I have 
and then you look at it and like, how the hell is this guy got all this press and all this media and all this crap behind him, and he don't really, he ain't even really no pro and all, you know. Then you start think, but then you look at how much he's done in boxing and even to help boxing kind of be brought to the forefront in some and in, in some and in, in, in get more interest than it has in a while, and then even women's boxing. He's been kind of helping promote that. You got to give the guy credit. I mean, he's been doing some good things, you know, for the sport, and he's really taking it seriously. So now it's like we like to look at Tommy. We like I said, Tommy's been doing this since he was a kid. Even though you know he got you know he, you know he got started at a good time when he was a kid. Well, I think what twelve or whatever years older. I can't. I don't even really remember. But he was. He he's been doing it. So he has a leg up. But he still has to take it serious. He can't just get in there and think just because I've been boxing since I was young and I'm fighting this guy who is a YouTuber that I'm just going to win just by default because I'm Tyson Fury's little brother. Nah, that has no, that, that, that don't mean nothing when you get in between those ropes. Even the fact that he's a YouTuber doesn't mean anything because he's really coming in there to win the fight. He's coming in there to try to get that world ranking. I think it's crazy that they're even talking about ranking him, but whatever. He's really cut, but that's what he's coming for. So if 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 uh, Tommy's not taking it as serious as he needs to take it, he's gonna fuck around and get beat. And I don't want to see that. I want to see Tommy Fury do what he's supposed to do as a fighter that's been doing it since he was a kid. I want to see him prove that Jake Paul is still got a lot to learn. But at the same time, I do like what I see from from Jake Paul. I like the desire to be a fighter, the love for the sport. And that he respects the sport, uh, the sport by putting the effort that he does into it. But you gonna make me go out on a limb and pick here, Joe? I'm gonna say, and I, I'm, 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 I gotta go with Tommy. I gotta say Tommy by decision. How about that? Is that good enough for you, Joe? Tommy by decision. Is that fine? Is that okay? Yeah, anything's fine. I mean, Tommy, Tommy by decision, I think, is with the bookies the most unlikely outcome. I believe it's five really? to one. Yeah, five to one. Well, well, you know, I might put a bet on that. I'm gonna put a bet. I might, and you know, I never bet, but I might put a bet on that. And you might, I might be wrong. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm betting with my heart and what I hope happens. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, I'm just gonna say. Even though it's a it's an eight rounder and either one of them wait no uh, Jake Paul has been eight I think twice right yeah well yeah, Tommy hasn't been eight yet but hey I think this is gonna be the first time you're gonna go eight and you're gonna get the decision okay maybe not maybe not yeah you know what I think now that I'm thinking about this Jim get a decision ah yeah yeah that's that's kind of like it you know what the hell with it I'm going with it anyway that's what I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go against the grain this time Joe. Tommy by decision. How about that? Tommy by decision. Uh, like I say, the most expected outcome is Jake Paul decision. Then Jake Paul knockout. Then Fury knockout. Then Fury points. So uh, yeah, I think I think we're gonna see a knockout anyway. I don't really see it going eight rounds. Um, there's a lot of pressure on Tommy's shoulders here as well, which is something that his brother. His brother Tyson is able to deal with like 
inhumanely. Like, you know, he's had the pressure on him when he's boxed Deontay Wilder, you know, knowing that you cannot you cannot lapse in concentration for a second, having his wife and kids ringside as well. That's got to be a massive distraction. Walking out in front of, you know, a, a, you know, a whole packed out arena in America full of guys that want to see you lose. And he is able to deal with it like I've never seen before. You know, he did the same when he boxed Klitschko in Germany. He's got something very, very special. And if Tommy Fury has that, then, then you know, I wouldn't be too worried. But, I mean, this is serious pressure here. You know, he's got a lot of pressure from the boxing community, from his family and stuff. You know, uh, they've, they've joked and said if he loses, he's got to change his surname. He's not a Fury. They're going to leave him in Saudi, things like this. I know it's only fun and games, but, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him to deliver here. And I think that we're going to see fireworks early. I'd be very stunned if, if Tommy Fury sits back and tries to box him. I think it's going to be like bombs from the first bell because I think um, there's a lot of pressure on him. And like I say, he's going to be nervous, I think, walking out to that ring. And um, he's just wanna, he's going to want to get it over and done with ASAP. And yeah, you know, I think it's, it's... I don't think Jake has really got the boxing ability to kind of... Um, <laughs> to... Uh, to, to, to stay away as well I think it's going to be they're going to both engage very very early and um yeah I doubt I doubt we're going to see two guys standing at the end of eight rounds especially when Tommy hasn't been there and um Jake hasn't fought a fighter with the capabilities really of Tommy Fury to eight rounds so we'll see we'll see it's going to be interesting and uh, we're all going to be tuning in whether we like it or not it's, it's definitely captured the imagination of all of us the the imagination of all of us and 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 the uh, the youtube world i'm sure there's going to be serious eyeballs on the on the event which will be live on bt sport i'm going to have to stream it somehow um anyway that is it though for this episode that's pretty much everything in part one we did the review part and we welcomed our special guest former wbo super bantamweight world champion isaac dogbay always great to hear from him and in part two we did the news part and i've just wrapped up there with the preview part the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds Okay, and this wraps up episode 384 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to this week's special guest, the former WBO Super Bantamweight World Champion, Mr. Isaac Dogbay. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Remember to visit manscaped.com and use the promo code BOXHARD for 20% off plus free shipping on all Manscaped products. Um, if, if if we get enough people getting onto Manscaped, buying things, um, we're going to do a cash giveaway, actually. So if you happen to place an order with them, please screenshot it, send it to myself already on Twitter or Instagram, and we will, if there's enough orders, put, a, put um, you know, a few names in a hat and pull out... Um, a winner to win a cash prize um, depending on how many orders we get that's that's going to determine what the prize will be but that's something to think about if you're interested in that but that's about everything from myself enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week